so much higher than my thoughts. Amen. So would you raise your hands with me if you're comfortable? We want to invite God to move in our hearts. Holy Spirit, dear God, precious Jesus, Lord, we don't want to have hard hearts this morning. We want to have humble hearts before you, God. We want to have open hearts. God, how can you move in our lives if our lives are closed off if we're hard? Lord Jesus, break up the fallow ground of our heart. Soften us before you that we might hear your voice, that we might know your truth, and that we might be changed. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, if you joined us late, you may be looking and saying, I don't recognize any member of the worship team this morning. And that's because they're from YWAM Boston. We've invited YWAM Boston. They're one of the the missionaries or, or one of the ministries that we support. They are missionaries to the city. So thank you, team. Yeah, we lift up the name of Jesus this morning. They're, they're all giving up their time uh, because they love Jesus, right? So, so each one of these people here this morning is a missionary. They're going to have a table afterwards. Um, if you'd like to make a gift to Shiloh today, I realized that uh, the announcement sheet was double-sided and I missed our offering earlier <laughs> as part of my announcements. So if you want to give to Shiloh, thank you for your donations. You can give in the boxes on your way out. You can give online. But also, please, visit the table on the way out. Uh, on the Give tab, there's a pull-down for YWAM Boston. Like, they need our contributions. That's how they exist. So please feel free to bless them at the table if you want with a check. You can go online if you don't have a check. Um, so this morning, I'd like us to open up our hearts to, to Jeremy Tunney. Jeremy, I don't know where you are. I guess he's getting set. Um, Jeremy and his parents and, and a lot of us used to worship together at a church many, many years ago. So I've known this young man for, for a lot of years. Uh, he's blessed. Uh, God is moving in his life. So open up your hearts to Jeremy. Come on, brother. Thank you. Am I here? All right. How's it going, guys? Good. Good morning. So good to be back in New Hampshire. It's good. <laughs> yeah, if you guys don't know, uh, we grew up right down the street in Goffstown, so not too far from here. And um, man, just had many of the first years of my life here encountering the Lord and uh, starting some amazing ministries with my parents. As many of you guys know, my parents moved to Philadelphia uh, six years ago and left us in the Northeast, but um, they're doing great. They're uh, with YWAM down there, and they're doing incredible things for the Lord. Um, this morning, I think, I've, I've never, in all my years of preaching, I've never had a, an intro message by uh, Chris and, and Elise, correct? Is that the right way to say it? I read the name, I was like, I'm going to butcher this name, but uh, perfect. And uh, that's such a fun thing for me, because I'm able to build on Really, what they had to share, that was an incredible message, amen? Can we give it up for that message last yeah, week? Amen. Thank you, Come Jesus. on. So good. And just the in-depth of, of worship and all that God's doing. Uh, if you guys don't know, uh, of course, we're from YOM Boston. We've been here 17 years um, in New England, and uh, such an honor to serve here. We have about 40 full-time staff um, in Somerville, which is, uh, if you don't know about Boston, is about basically the first town outside of Boston, and I've uh, been serving there, and God's been doing some incredible things this year. Can I give you guys a couple testimonies? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, whether you like it or not, here they come. Okay. So as many of you guys know, um, there was a massive satanic gathering in Boston called Satan Cons. Is anyone aware of this? 
Okay, it's a couple of you guys. It was the largest, supposed to be the largest satanic gathering in the world by Satan worshipers. And uh, so they made this big thing that they're coming to Boston. And uh, we met together with a few other uh, leaders in Boston. We said, we're not going to stand for this. We're going to go out there. And, and a lot of people want to go out in front of the hotel where they were hosting it and, you know, picket signs and, and do the bullhorns and that stuff. And that was great. But we said, what's our greatest response to what the enemy is doing? I said, man, let's preach the gospel to as many people as we possibly can. Amen. Right? Amen. And so <clears throat> we had a gathering in a room about this size. We came and 300 people showed up to this gathering. I don't anywhere. Our friend said it's amazing. It took a satanic gathering to have the largest Christian outreach in the last 10 years. But, you know, God will use anything, apparently. But anyways, so we gathered together. We did some training, some practical training. We, we set up. The, the city was amazing. So in favor of what we were doing, they gave us permits all over Boston, any place we wanted to go. They said, and that's, this is Boston people. You guys know, they're like, they're like you get one permit, it's like pulling teeth. So um, they give us like eight or nine permits. Wherever we wanted to go, we set up prayer stations all over Boston. And uh, so we had a gathering, train these people up. And it wasn't just young people. It was young and old, all different generations. Uh, we, had, we had a lady, um, a Chinese lady who was at, had stage three cancer. And she said, this might be my final outreach I'm going on. I'm going to give my time to this. And so we go out. We set up our prayer stations all over the city, and we just began to worship the Lord. We had worship going on. You couldn't go to anywhere in Boston Common without hearing worship and the proclamation of the gospel. Anywhere you were, we were there. So there was 300 of us that ended up going out. Um, it was incredible. And uh, these, these ladies, some of these ladies, 60s, 70s, 80s, just out there, just crushing it. And uh, incredible uh, witnesses for the Lord. So we went out, and man, the Lord fell in a way like I never felt since I've ever moved here. Um, it was an incredible time, and I just remember walking through the commons. There's a prayer station there, a prayer station there, and I heard someone say, what's going on with all these Christians? They're everywhere. I can't go anywhere without hearing worship to Jesus. And so we began to preach the gospel, and in three hours, we went out from two to five, went right during their session when they were trying to rip up Bibles and be tough and uh, whatever they were doing. Guess what? It was supposed to be over 2,000 people that were supposed to go to SatanCon. Less than 150 showed up because all the prayers, amen? <clears throat> so all the prayers of the saints, man, we, there must have been billions of prayers against what the enemy was trying to do. So in three hours, we had over 100 people come to Christ for the first time. Isn't that awesome? Come on. And I, I love that we didn't cower away and stay in our little, we're like, we're going to go right to the front lines and rip some souls out of hell in the midst of this, uh, midst of this gathering and see what God would do. And so this year has been an incredible year. Um, as you guys know, the send happened last week. Is anyone at the send last week? Come on, New Hampshire people. All right. All our people were there. <laughs> okay. Just to give you the two minute background, many, many years ago, Lou Engel did a thing called The Call. Does anyone know what that is? Okay, cool. So they said, hey, The Call is turning into The Send. We believe there's a sending movement happening out of America. And we believe there's hundreds of thousands are meant to go out to the unreached people groups of the world. And we believe there's a hundred million soul harvest coming to America. And so they began to gather. They did a huge gathering in Orlando many years ago. And since then, they've done it in Brazil, 
all over the country. Last year, they were in Kansas City at uh, Arrowhead Stadium with roughly 40,000 people that came out. So this year, they said God's calling us to Boston. So they did it at the Gannis Arena. And the great thing is we did a thing called Send Week where um, for three days straight, we did worship and training in the morning. We would go out in the afternoons. And we were at Tremont Temple right downtown Boston. And um, we had, you know, hundreds of people go out and share their faith in all different kinds of ways. We were able to support the crisis pregnancy centers in Boston. We were able to go and, uh, and pro- proclaim the gospel all over the city, go to the hardest and darkest places of Boston. And in three days, we had about 160 people make first-time commitments to Jesus. Can we give it up for that? Isn't that awesome? Come on. So that was a, And then the send was incredible. They had 8,000 people show up for the send. And guess what? This is amazing. So they had, they had an activation moment where you could sign up to really uh, say, I'm going to make a step of faith. I'm not just going to be excited and cry at the altar. I'm going to do something about it, right? And, um, and so over 420 people. Are you, yeah, steal that. Yeah, thank you. Clearing the way. Prepare the way for my pacing. Um, 420 people made a commitment for local evangelism. And we were able to follow up with them. We're going to have a huge outreach in about two weeks. If you want to come to Boston and do, a, uh, you do an outreach, come with us. Connect with JC. Connect with the table at the end. But we, want to, we just believe this is the time of harvest for New England. We just really believe that. And the reason I believe is every time we go out, people are so hungry for the gospel. And it's incredible what God is doing. And so it was a 10-hour gathering, basically completely centered and focused around fulfilling the great commission in our generation and, and across all spheres of society saying, God put uh, faith filled, spirit filled believers in every sphere so that we can see the great commission fulfilled in our generation. And hundreds signed up for long-term missions. Many have adopted their high schools, even since the beginning of these meetings. Um, there's been probably 30 new high schools that have been adopted by Jesus clubs that are now um, in these places that have never had a Jesus club and are now infiltrating them. And so it's, it's amazing what God is doing. And these guys are Gen Z. Everyone's like, oh, Gen Z. Oh, my gosh. There's, you know, whatever. They're on their iPads or whatever they're doing. You know, they're on TikTok. Um, and you know what? Gen Z is 50, uh, over 55% of Gen Z said, I'm willing to be a full-time minister or, or missionary. You know, the, the generation before is less than 15%. The generation before. You know, 50% of Gen Z Christians have shared their faith this year. Isn't that amazing? Like, in, in a, a generation ago, it was less than 5%. These guys are on fire for the Lord. And so we believe that if we can capture a generation that feels like so far gone, but God can use them for the greatest missions harvest that we've ever seen in the world. Amen? So God is moving in, in New England. And uh, it's so funny. Everywhere we go in America and everywhere we go in the world... Everyone's saying, we're praying for New England. Like, when, I, when I'm here, I'm not, like, praying for New Mexico or, like, like whatever's going on in the world. You know, what's, like, what's happening in Colorado? Everywhere we go, is that true? Like, everywhere you go, like, I'm praying for New England. I'm praying for Boston. I'm praying for New Hampshire. I'm praying for the Northeast. And I'm like, man, God is moving here in incredible ways. And Shiloh has been a massive part of that. Of course, with you guys supporting the, my brother's mission in Kyrgyzstan, all that God is doing there. Uh, amazing harvest happening there, amazing miracles happening, and uh, yeah, amazing things that God is doing. So we're going to hop into uh, talking about worship today, worship in action. Everyone say worship in action. 
Okay, so our worship should turn into a lifestyle of laying down our lives for the Lord, right? It's never meant to be a singular thing. This should be either an outpouring or or starting of what God really wants to do in us and through us. Because like Chris said last week, all of us have a purpose. We have a plan for our lives. But again, we, some of us don't even scratch the surface of that plan because we don't ever submit our, our lives to the Lord and say, God, what could you do with a laid down life? What could you do with a life that says, man, everything is on the table. And I'm going to talk about a, a few different things that our worship should look like. <clears throat> I'm going to start off with our worship should look sacrificial, Amen. right? It, it should cost us something. And um, I, I read this quote the other day. I'm going to completely steal it. Is that okay? It's a great quote. I'm going to steal some quotes today. I mean, we are reading the Bible, so it's all technically not ours. Okay, it's the Lord's. Abel's worship got him killed. David's worship made him look like a fool. Mary's jar of perfume offended all the apostles. If our worship doesn't cost us something, we, have, we haven't learned true worship yet. And I think throughout all the scriptures, and that's just a few of the stories, but I think about Daniel, I think about people that in the midst of mass persecution, even knowing that they're going to die tomorrow, they said, I'm going to go right to that place. I'm going to get in the face of the Lord because my God is greater than anything this world could come against me with. Amen? And so when we begin to worship God in those ways, when, when we begin to say, God, when I come in on a Sunday, it doesn't matter how good the Dunkin' was or whatever I'm eating, and it doesn't matter how you know it's a little bit dreary outside, I'm coming here with a sacrifice of praise. I'm coming here ready to worship. I'm coming here preparing in my heart to worship, right? I want, I want to be ready to not just like, what, what do you got for me, Lord? But what can I bring at the feet of Jesus this week? And if you go into every quiet time, if you go into every thing we think, man, I'm just coming here and I'm just like, come on, zap me, God, just zap me again. And, you know, that's what it's all about, man. It is, it is about a recognizing what Jesus has done and who he is. It changes everything about our lifestyle, about who we are about what we think about. And I want to I challenge you guys. What do you think about when you have nothing to think about? Right? Because they, they said that a, a thing with our generations, we hate to be alone with our thoughts. We hate to be alone. We hate to be without noise. That's why you, immediately when you wake up, you turn on the TV. Oh, here's all the horrible news. Turn on this. Here's this person that all this bad. Or we look at our phones. Can I get some validation from social media? What do we think about? Are we content in the Lord? Is he our portion on a daily basis? Because if we're not in that place, our worship is going to seem very, very shallow, right? Because if he isn't fulfilling us on a daily basis, when we're walking in our lives, when we have our quiet times, when we seek the Lord, man, we come in here and say, it doesn't make sense. It's like, if I never talk to my wife all week, and on Sunday, I'm like, let's have a coffee and try to figure this out after I haven't watched the kids and made her clean up and that wouldn't go super well, right? And I think sometimes we compartmentalize our entire lives and say, that's my spiritual life. This is my fantasy football life. This is, <laughs> this is my sports hero worship life. This is this. This is that car I really want life, right? That's that, that vacation I really want. And, and our, all of a sudden, we have 55 idols in our hearts, and we think, why isn't this making sense in church? We have, we have all these things that are fighting for our attention and our adoration. And the Lord's like, listen, I am a jealous God, and I will burn all this stuff away. When you come to me, he's a consuming fire. 
right? And we think, well, I'm just on a journey. I'm just like hanging out. I'm just figuring it out. God's like, listen, like Jesus was like not like begging people. Like, oh, would you just please? Like, he's like, listen, it's, it's now or never. Let's, let's do this. And he could do that because he was God in the flesh. He could do that because of how great he was, what they were getting in return, right? The rich young ruler didn't realize what he was walking away from, right? When he said, look, just forget all this stuff. I am, I am the treasure. I am everything you possibly could want. It's in me. And he's like, oh, I, I got too much stuff. I think about that verse all the time when God calls us to do great and mighty exploits when he says to you, hey, go witness to that person at the new Starbucks down the street. Sorry, guys, they're taking over. Duncan, be warned. Um, and you think, I don't want to give up my reputation. I don't want to give up my, my comfort. And the, here's the deal. When we give our lives to Christ, it says, man, you got to die to yourself. Worship is sacrificial, right? And um, I think about this story. Um, well, let's just read this verse out of 1 Samuel uh, chapter 15. I don't have the verse up there. I, sorry, Chris, I... I have failed you. So, first, first, uh, first Samuel chapter 15, um, 22. Just one quick verse. Has the Lord as great as, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And he then the fat of rams. For rebellion is the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is the in, Iniquity and idolatry, because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He also has rejected you from being king. He's going to the king. He's saying, listen, I don't really care about this outward stuff. I want you to be obedient to me. All of this stuff should be an overflow of what's happening on a, on a daily basis. When you have a moment, you say, look, you know, a few years ago, um, dear, dear friend of mine, Massa, he's from Philadelphia, like literally Philadelphia, the real part where they talk really even weirder than us. Um, and, uh, they say witter down in Philly, but he goes, Hey God, uh, God's been speaking to me and I have these Eagles season tickets. You know, Eagles fans are, are crazy. Philly fans. And he said, God spoke to me that, you know, all I think about are these games and I think about all this stuff and you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sell my season tickets and I'm going to give that money to missions and I'm going to invest in the mission field. Guess what happened? All of a sudden, his family began to change. His family, like, they saw him <clears throat> totally shift the trajectory of his entire family. They said, that was a literal sacrifice. And one of my dear friends, is, is, his dad was a massive Redskins fan, or Commanders now, whatever they are. And, uh, and he said, God called me to, during all these NFL games I was going to watch, to intercede for my family and my city instead of watching the game. It's sacrificial. God will call us to that place. He will call out our idols. And if it stings right now in your spirit, that might be you. And that might be something in your heart right now that you need to do, right? And so I think about, um, you know, this, this uh, John's his name. His family began to change. His kids started to go to missions. His whole family, even his parents began to change because of that one sacrifice. They saw a difference in him. We should look, and I want to tell you something. Sacrificial, you got to lay down. You know, what people will think about you, your, your, your pride, everything about our lives uh, comes down to that point of that is worship. It says in honor of his mercy, we live our lives as what? Living sacrifices. So the Christians should look like I'm a living sacrifice to the Lord. 
you know, and I, and I think about my parents' life. You know, my dad would be calling me from Liberia and say, hey, I got malaria for the third time, and, and uh, they're shooting over the house. Just to let you know, we'll be back in a few days. I'm like, uh, what's going on here? But I just realized from an early age, being a Christian is a sacrifice. It's a laying down of your comforts, of what you want it to be, of your blueprints of your life. There, he, makes, he makes no, like, there's no middle ground, right? He's like, listen, if you live in that middle place, it's like I'm not even interested in really moving in your life. And he said, well, you know, I, I got to figure, it's like it is a moment where you draw a line in the sand, where you say, look, I, I'm not living like that person anymore. Who's tired of living in the middle? Amen? I know a lot of us are. You're, you're tired of having these idols have a grip of your heart. And um, a few years ago, I, was, uh, I saw this interview. And it was um, with the brother of a guy who his, his, um, his family, his, two of his brothers had been killed by ISIS, live on television, beheaded. And they sang hymns as they did it. They proclaimed the gospel as they did it. And they, so they interviewed this guy and they go, aren't you mad? Aren't you like fired up? Like, don't you want to go kill ISIS? Don't you want to kill these guys? And he goes, oh, we're actually having a party right now in our village that we had the most martyrs from our village. He's like, we're, we're actually rejoicing that God allowed us, that they're going to be closest to the throne. They're going to be closest to Jesus. That's a total a, a, a mind messer up for us when we think life is all about building my kingdom, looking as awesome as I can look. And in the end, man, it's all going to crumble. It's all going to be nothing compared to the glory of Jesus when we see him. When we bring a gift, when we, we want to bring crowns to throw at his feet, right? And so I, I think about, like, he's like, listen, I, I lost two of my brothers here. And they're like, what do you want to say to ISIS? They, they said, like, if they could be hearing this right now. He's like, you know what I would tell them? I'd, I'd bring them right into my living room. I would give them tea. And I would tell them about the love of Jesus. That only Jesus can, can heal a broken heart. When you encounter Jesus, when you actually encounter the gospel for real, that's when everything changes. That's when, that's when we lay down everything else and say, look, like, it's all about the eternal glory of what God wants to do in me and through me. Amen? Number two, lo- uh, worship is extravagant, right? I think sometimes we want to give the bare minimum and get the maximum value, right? We, we, want, we want the fullness of a, a prayer life. We want the fullness of a, of a life laid down with, you know, I just checked off the box this week. And I want to tell you, this isn't, this isn't a... We're all losers, blah, blah, but this is an invitation into a deeper, real, intimate walk with the Lord. Because if we don't do that, when actual persecution comes, it's not just a lady on Facebook saying, I don't like your thing. Actual. What, are we ready to handle that? Are we ready to stand against the tie and say, look, come what may, I will preach the gospel. I will not bend on anything it says in this book. And I will truly sacrifice my life for whatever it takes for the gospel to go forth. We wouldn't be here right now unless someone did that 100 years ago, 200 years ago. You know, D.L. Moody or C.T. Studd or all these incredible, you know, Jim Elliott, all these incredible missionaries that at the peak of their lives, C.T. Studd was the most popular athlete in the world. And he said, I'm going to the heart of India. I'm going to the heart of China. I'm going to the heart of Africa to lay down my life. 
it said like what he gave away. It was, it was equivalent to $15 million right now at that time. It's extravagant. When you think about um, the, the story of the woman washing the feet of Jesus, everyone was offended at her, even the, the apostles, right? I don't have time to go super into that passage, but she comes, she's, she's kissing the feet of Jesus. She was, they're washing his feet. Like, and they're like, this lady is insane. You just wasted a year's worth of, of um, your salary to lay, this, to lay at Jesus' feet. You're insane. And Jesus says, everywhere where the gospel will be preached, they're going to tell the story about this lady. Because she understood who he was. It's my favorite quote of all time. I steal it from my best, one of my best friends, Adam. He said, when we see the worth of Jesus, we will no longer measure out what we will sacrifice for him. When we see his worth, when we see the majesty of Jesus, we'll no longer say, oh, that, there's, there's a line. When I, look at, when I look at the Gospels, everyone was trying to put a line on Jesus. Hey, I got to go bury somebody. I got things to do. I got, I got, you know, I got a wedding to go to. He's like, listen, it's, it's all or nothing. And I think for too long, we made our worship convenient. We made it comfortable. When we decide that's the best song we ever heard, that was the greatest drummer I ever heard back there. Amen. Sorry, guys, if it was bad. I tried my best. But it should be extravagant to the Lord. We talk about David. We talk about people that in the midst of that thing in our culture would think that, that person's insane. You got... Who's ever had the flag? Who, where's my flag people at? Any people in here? Are we doing that here? Okay. You see the flag where you're like, I, I wouldn't do that. When we see his worth, we say, whatever I got to do, I just want to be close to him. I want to be close to him. I want to put myself in a place where I am, I am like fully engulfed with his glory and, and, his, and his honor. If you read in, uh, in Hebrews, it talks about, man, when we talk about the humbleness of Jesus, he was, he was exactly like the representation of God, but he laid it all down to be with us, to die for us, to take the wrath of God. Every single sin that we have done or will ever do was poured upon him, right? And we think, man, I'm coming in here and think, what you got for me? Could you, could you give me anywhere? Like, he's done enough already to, to deserve our adoration, our love for the rest of our lives. He has done enough. And when I look at people... You know, I was over in China many years ago, my, my first, one of my first trips. And I remember being with these people, and they, when they would get saved, they would say, hey, I want to let you know, um, you're, you're signing up for massive persecution. You're signing up for, you, you might be in prison, you might lose all your business. And they would, like, literally every night be baptizing people in their bathtubs. Every night. And so it wasn't like, hey, you get, all, you get heaven at the end. It was like, Listen, this is going to be really tough, but you get Jesus and you get the, the eternal life. You get to know God personally now. They would all say, I understand what I'm signing up for. Dunk me. Let's do this right now. Do you think those guys are like having a, a, a faith crisis in a few years? You think they're like, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't really know if I really, they understood at the beginning, like this is what it costs. This is sacrificial, extravagant worship to the Lord. My life looks like I believe in something. I should look different. I should look like I'm a person that's been ransomed, been captured by the love of Christ. And Jesus goes on when, when the woman 
uh, that's um, <clears throat> washing his feet, he says, look, you don't understand what you've been saved from. She understands the depths of the wickedness that they've been saved, the wrath of God that she's been saved from. She understands the depths of the gospel. If you're, you know, if you're a, been a Christian a long time, preach the gospel to yourself. Because sometimes we think, oh, I'm in the club. Everything's fine. Like every day, I'm like, thank you, Lord, for saving me, redeeming me, calling me out, you know, giving me grace, taking the wrath of God from me 2,000 years ago. That every single day, I should thank the Lord. It says, Satan can never touch a thankful heart. If you are constantly in a, in a thing of pessimism, complaining, and the world's going to end, the Lord wants to say, look, throw all your cares on the Lord. Preach the gospel. Be faithful to him, right? He wants to give you a fresh joy in this season. Number three, love should be, I mean, worship should be intentional, right? There should be an intentional thing that you're going there to do, right? And I think about Daniel, he was already ready for that test, right? He was ready. He was in that seat, and he's like, listen, oh, you're going to throw me in the lion's den? I'm there tomorrow. I'm going right back to where I was. And, I, and God didn't actually end up showing up till he was in the lion's den. But you know, he went to that moment. He's like, I'm intentionally putting myself in a riskful, risky situation. And if you, if, you, if you wonder, like, why is my spirit growing cold? Why, does, why am I on fire for the Lord? You probably haven't put yourself in a risky situation for the Lord in a long time. Witnessing to that person, praying for that person, right? Going out and say, God, like, instead of saying, oh, my family's gone or my, this person, you know, our, our country. When's the last time we fasted and prayed, sought the Lord, wept for our cities, wept for our region, for the Lord? Because when you get in that place, you're not thinking, man, I don't really like the coffee this week. I don't really, you know, I didn't like his stupid shirt, whatever it may be. You're not worried about any of that stuff. You guys ever see people that are actually in war? Are they complaining about like, I don't like the way your breath tastes or, 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 or smells. I don't like it at all. I don't like the way you said that. Like, we're trying to stay alive. We, have a, um, we are on a mission, right? Everyone say, I'm on a mission, right? <clears throat> and so when you are intentional with saying, God, I'm putting myself, like we have a little time with our, our kids every night. We pray for an unreached people group every night. And there's this, uh, if you go on your phone and you go to a Joshua Project or unreached people groups on your phone, every day at 10 a.m. they send you a new people group to pray for. It puts yourself in like, man, there's, you know, there's a 1,700 people. We prayed for this little people group in Sudan last night. I'm like, God, like, I was kind of worried about the next vehicle I wanted to get, the next obsession, I, the next idol. But this puts me in a place of God, like, put me in that Put me in that kind of game. I want to, I want to live for that. Because who's ever got the, the thing that they always wanted, the car, the position at work, the, the spouse, whatever it may be, did that ever fulfill you ultimately? Like, I got the Mustang, I got this, I got this. And, and it, it, all, it all is a distraction. And so if, God, if Satan can't get us to run from God, he is happy to distract us. He's happy to give us all these things in our lives. So worship is intentional. You intentionally say, I'm turning away. It is a repentance from all the idol worship that we see in our lives. I'm a turning away from this. 
You know, some of the greatest worship, if you've ever dealt with addiction, if you ever dealt with whatever it may be, and you say, like, you know, my dad has a famous story, and I don't only have, like, two minutes here, but, you know, when he first got saved, he kept going to the bar. He was, he was an alcoholic. He drank every day. And, um, and then God, in the midst, he was going to the bar. He got, this is like a week after. He's at the bar. God convicts him. He said, you don't need this anymore. He throws, he, th- he literally threw the beer down the thing, and he said, I'm done. Walked away. It was freed in that moment, right? Because he said, everything's on the table. It's intentional. I'm putting myself, like, whatever it says in this book, I'm putting to my life. Not the parts that I like, not, the, not the, just the Jeremiah 29, 11, right? But really, what is the essence of what God is calling me to be and do? Because if we live in the shallow end forever and the wave comes, are we ready to handle that? When your life looks like a living sacrifice, you're like, come what may. If they try to shut this place down, if they try to do anything, I'm going to be faithful to the gospel. I'm going to be faithful to the Lord. It says the ones who make it to the end will get the crown of life. When you go through that breaking and that, and that you know, who, I, I would say if, if I had to do a, a test across the greatest moves of God in your life have come through difficult times. Is that true? So don't fear the difficult times. Fear the good times. When you forget about the Lord, when you got the job, when you have everything you wanted, when you get that, that, when you look perfect on social media and everyone thinks you're awesome and everyone's telling you how great you are, are, are you still desperate for the Lord then? Because I think Francis Chan said our greatest fear shouldn't be failure but succeeding at things that don't matter. That comes my last point as we end. Our worship should be eternal. It shouldn't be, what can I get out of this? I am joining with a host of angels. I'm joining with the creatures around the throne right now. They're around the throne. What are they saying? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And I love this quote. It says they're not doing, when they're going around the throne, they're not doing that at a repetition. They're doing that at a revelation. Every time they go around the throne, they say, I can't stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So if we're 10 minutes into work, you're like, man, what's my fantasy team doing this week? Or what's going on? Is Brady going to come back and save us? I don't know. You know, I don't know how Mac Jones is looking. It's like, okay, we need to get in that place. We're so in awe of the worth of Jesus. They were like, if nothing else comes in my way today, I'm in awe. He is my portion. He is my life. Because if we don't get that kind of encounter, man, very easily, a little trip up can send us spiraling toward our old life. There is an intentional walking away. I'm saying, God, you literally have every, my passions, my time, my children, my future. There's three billion people that do not know and have no access to the gospel right now. Our worship say, should say, I want everyone in the world to experience this. Who loves the presence of Jesus here? I want everyone, I'm going to have Aaron come up. We hit our, we hit our five minute mark. You guys good? Is this okay? My prayer for us is that we don't go another day without getting in the face of Jesus. Say, God, whatever you want to do in my life, 
You might have been holding on to shameful sins. You might have been holding on to anger, unforgiveness. You know what worship is? Forgiving people that have done you wrong because of the gospel. You know, worship is walking away from pornography, saying that doesn't have a hold on my life anymore. You know what worship is? Saying, listen, I'm, I'm going to ask for forgiveness for a person that I've, that I've hurt. That I feel like, man, that, was, that relationship was done. You know what worship is today? Saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to shut off the TV, shut off the phone for a while. I'm going to intentionally put myself in a place of a, a posture in my heart. I think Chris, uh, Chris said this last week, and least they said, you're, the posture, we're, we're in that place to receive. And I would compare it to like a lot of us where we, we fire up the, the shower and we just sit outside the shower, say, man, this is great. I just like got a little sprinkle. And you're like, God's like, get in there. You need the fullness. Who wants the fullness this morning? Can we just stand up together? Aaron's going to sing this song. I'm going to have a few YWAM Boston people come to the front. And we just have about three minutes before we end. If you want someone to pray for you this morning, if you want to break there, if you don't know Jesus yet, and you say, this is my, this is my moment. Man, if you've been a Christian a long time, you've like, I just need a fresh fire from the Lord this morning. I want God to fill me up. I need to get ready for this next season. We are living in the greatest days of what God is going to do. To break pessimism, to, pray, to break the passivity over us, amen? Who wants to break passivity over their spirit this morning? Come on, we need that. We need to break passivity over us. Say, look, I'm not living in a passive, pessimistic Christianity anymore. I'm after the heart of God. So Aaron's gonna sing the song. And I want us to just close our eyes and spend just three minutes here We literally have three minutes at the feet of Jesus. Ask him for what you need right now. He said, when you ask for bread, I'm not going to give you a rock, right? I'm going to give you what you need. If you need a breakthrough this morning in any area, if you've been dealing with addiction, dealing with unforgiveness, dealing with whatever it may be, ask the Lord to move in your heart right now. He's ready to move. And if you want to come up here and get prayed for, please come up here. But we're just going to sit in the presence of the Lord just for a few minutes and then we're going to We're going to end. So come and behold him. Isn't he fascinating? Come and behold Lost in his majesty Come and behold Isn't he captivating We'll keep on singing For all of eternity Come and behold him Isn't he fascinating Come and behold, lost in his majesty. Come and behold, isn't he captivating? We'll keep on seeing. Can we just raise our hands to the Lord? 
love you, Jesus. for what you've done this morning, God. We pray that as we walk out of this church, we would leave the chains behind us, Lord. You have died to break those chains off of us. Anyone in here that's dealing with anxiety, dealing with unforgiveness, dealing with uh, the pressures of this world, it says throw your cares upon the Lord this morning. Lord, let us live on mission this week. Let us begin to share our faith boldly. Let us begin to walk in that place of being a living sacrifice to you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would send us out, Lord. Ruin our plans, God. Lord, I I pray we lay our reputation, our plans, our families at the feet of Jesus. Say, God, you have it all. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys, we're going to have just continue a little bit of worship. You guys are dismissed. God bless you guys. We'll be in the back at the YWAM table, but we are going to you guys want to head out or if you want to stay for a little bit more worship you're more than welcome but you are dismissed god bless you guys thank you